welcome to another episode of the Real Talk Tuesday podcast, a podcast where we talk all things self-growth, self-awareness, navigating life in your 20s or your 30s, and everything in between. I am your host, Sierra Scott, a certified coach and a writer, creative, who quite honestly has found myself feeling really frustrated by the lack of realness I sometimes see within the space of self-growth. And interestingly enough, part of the reason why I do create content as it relates to self-growth is because I have seen so many correlations between toxic self-help and fundamentalist religion. And it's something I want to talk about and bring awareness to. So that is why I am here because I am all about creating content as it relates to the process of self-growth in a way that truly does invite and embrace all aspects of what it means to be human, as well as sharing from a place of letting you guys know that this is work that I do every single day and these are things that I am actively walking through. I am never going to give you a mere five-step system to follow because the reality is, is that your journey of healing is unique and it deserves to be seen as such. But what I will do is continue to create content as it relates to self-growth in a way that really does draw you to deeper connection with yourself and in a way that reminds you that you know nobody outside of you, including myself or any other coach for that matter knows what it is you want and need more than you. And I think through listening to this episode, you will come to more deeply understand why I am so passionate about the work that I do and the work that I want to continue doing because I truly do believe that the most important relationship that we have with anyone is truly the one that we have with ourselves. And so I am here to help you have a better relationship with yourself. So as usual, if you do enjoy today's podcast episode and want to support the podcast, one of the best ways that you can do so is by leaving a review. Your reviews really do mean a lot to me. Thank you so, so much to those who have already done so. As always, social links will be in the show notes. As mentioned, I am on TikTok now, so that's super fun and exciting. If you haven't listened to the last podcast episode, I highly recommend that you do so because this episode is going to build off of the last one. So if you want to hear my story of, you know, my upbringing as it related to religion, how I got into evangelical Christianity as a 19-year-old girl, how I submersed my life in it for a number of years, and eventually the cracks that led me to start deconstructing for the very first time. I highly recommend that you check out that podcast episode because today we are going to be chatting all about the aftermath of my deconstruction and the age-old question, where am I now with all of it? I feel like this is a question I've gotten so many times and I've avoided for a number of reasons that I may go into, but we're going to be chatting about the aftermath of my deconstruction journey and where I am now with it because you know, as I mentioned last week, I, I think truly the aftermath of deconstruction for me, I don't know if anyone else can agree, but like was truly so much more difficult in some ways than the deconstruction itself. So we're going to get into all that. Also, I am super excited because you're going to notice something different about today's podcast episode, which is that woven throughout today's episode, you are going to hear voice memos from some of you guys, the listeners who submitted these voice memos to be featured on the podcast as it relates 
relates to deconstruction. I had mentioned last podcast episode that I really wanted to find a creative way to give you guys a platform as well to share some of your thoughts and experience, not just on this topic, but like in future topics that I'll do as well. And I figured what better way to do that than by allowing you guys to quite literally be featured on the podcast itself. So you are not going to just hear my journey. You are going to hear other people's perspective and journeys. And I love that because we're all in a different spot. We all have different conclusions. We're all slightly different in where we may be ended up. And yet I really do hold so much value for all of our stories. And so I think this will be a really cool way to showcase that. So if you have a perspective you want to share, go ahead and follow me on Instagram so that the next time that I do this, you have an opportunity to go ahead and submit a voice recording and to be featured on the podcast. And lastly, because I have an array of people who I know are going to be tuning into this episode, a quick disclaimer, I put this in the show notes last episode, I'm going to vocally say it in today's episode. If you are somebody who is deconstructed or is deconstructing and this topic, quite honestly, just feels way too close to home to listen to. I just want to remind you to take care of yourself first at any point in this podcast. If it feels more unhelpful than it is helpful, there is nothing wrong with tuning out. Take that from the podcast host itself. And lastly, this podcast is in no way, shape, or form intended to persuade you any which way. It is simply to connect with you guys on a deeper and more vulnerable level and to share my experience of something that has had a really fundamental impact on the way that I view life and has led me to wanting to do the work that I am doing. And um, yeah, my experience is just my experience. And so while I hope this podcast episode helps to continue to expand your thought and your mind at the end of the day, I trust that as the autonomous human being that you are, that you will ultimately take what resonates and leave the rest. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into today's episode of the Real Talk Tuesday podcast. So I have been out of the church now for about three and a half years, and truth be told, it honestly hasn't been until this last year where I have become rooted enough in who I am as a person today and where I am at with everything to be able to process all of this in such a vulnerable and intimate way like I am now. If you followed my old Instagram account, you will know that I used to talk about religious deconstruction as a core pillar of my content, and at a certain point, I just needed to take a break. And I think throughout this episode, you may understand why. There was a lot of things that I was struggling with behind the screen, and I just felt like posting content as it related to religious deconstruction, it didn't feel helpful to where I was at. It didn't feel like it was helping my situation and I just needed to take a little bit of a break because you know something I think that certain people in my life don't totally realize is that me choosing to leave the church was a huge deal for me right like it was never something that I had planned when I gave my life to Christ as a 19 year old girl from that point on I never pictured myself ever leaving Christianity, evangelicalism, the church. Even during my seasons and moments of like deepest struggle, 
of, you know, clinging to evangelicalism or clinging to this theology, this belief system, I still never pictured myself leaving the church. It just wasn't in my mind. I was always one of those people who advocated for changing the church from the inside out. And so when I was confronted with people who chose to leave the church, and maybe they even still identified as a Christian, I just remember I really wrestled and struggled with that because I felt like as a Christian, you have a responsibility to change the church from the inside out. I felt like those that were choosing to not do so were just showing a weakness of faith and that they were clearly just wanting to be one with the world. They just wanted a free Sunday morning. You know, they weren't strong enough in their faith to be able to endure, like, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, being the church. Like, that's really truthfully how I viewed it. And it's really sad looking back because it's so oversimplified. It's so oversimplified, but I know I'm not the only one who viewed it in that way. And, you know, even looking back, there's like a really twisted sense of pride that I got in being able to identify like, yeah, like there's obviously things wrong with the church. And, and yet here I am still in the church, you know, still showing up on Sunday mornings, even when it's difficult, like even when I I know that there are things wrong with maybe the way that we are doing things or talking about things. Look at how I'm showing up. And it's so weird looking back. It almost, you know, what it really was is it was the sense of hierarchy of like, I felt like I was clearly a stronger believer because here I am in a sense, like showing up for a system that you just didn't have the strength to show up for. And it's wild to me because, you know, looking back, I can confidently say in more ways than one, it actually took more faith for me to leave the church than it ever did to actually enter it. So for just a bit of context as to where I am at at this point in my life, I am living in an area of the South, still am living in this area where church is assumed. People don't ask, do you go to church? They just assume that you do. At this point in my life, I would say 99% of my, you know, coworkers, my friends, my family, everyone would label themselves as an evangelical Christian. And so me choosing to leave the church was a hot topic and nobody was going to be free Sunday morning. I can tell you that much. And at this point in my journey, I honestly wouldn't have even said that I wasn't a Christian. I still identified as Christian at this point. I think I just knew that I was detached enough theologically to the views of evangelicalism that I could no longer attend a traditional church setting and be challenged in the way that I was desiring to be challenged. And I remember this worrying a lot of people in my life. And like, while I understood where that fear was coming from, it truthfully just made me so angry because we always talk about within the church, how the church is not a building, right? Like how many times have we heard the said, the church is not a building. The church is so much more than just a building. You know, the church is a state of faith. The church is a community of believers. The church is whatever it is that you want to call it, right? But the church is not a building. And yet, the moment that I left the church, it was like everyone in my life was terrified. They were terrified for my soul, for my salvation. Everyone started to question if I was even still a believer. Everyone started to question my judgment, which they hadn't before. 
And I think that this was the beginning of the unveiling for me, where I began to see the disconnect in what we say we believe as Christians versus what we actually have internalized to believe. Because, I mean, I was taught that church is not what makes you a Christian, right? Like, I was very aware, especially having lived in the South and being as enveloped within evangelicalism as I was, like, I was aware that there was a difference between what I would have called a quote-unquote, like, cultural Christian believer versus, like, a true spirit-filled believer, And yet the whole time I would have said, yeah, like church doesn't make you a Christian, right? Like it is the fact that you accept by faith that, you know, Christ died on the cross and the whole thing and that the Holy Spirit is now in your heart. Like that is what makes you a believer. And I think a lot of people within the church would say the exact same thing. And yet the moment that people leave, we're all scrambling and freaking out and wondering if they were ever a believer to begin with. So yeah, the moment that I left, everyone is freaking out. It is very clear people are worried about my soul. And it just felt like, I don't know, I think it made me so angry because quite honestly, it felt like such a dismissal to the depth in which I had clearly cultivated a relationship to God through the lens of evangelicalism. Because another thing to remind you of too, it's like I had worked at a church at this point, right? Like my life was dedicated to ministry, no matter the context of what that looked like in the church, out of the church, my life was dedicated to ministry. This was not just a Sunday morning thing. And I think that only made me more angry because, you know, it just felt like such a blow that something as surface as church, which I understand is not a small thing in the world of Christianity. I'm just saying on like, if you look at it from a macro level, that something as surface level as going to church on Sunday mornings, that that would be that much of a definer for you on how Christian I am more so than being an active participant and taking a look at the fruits of my life, looking to define it by the way I am loving people, loving myself, honoring those around me, showing kindness, showing patience, and all these other fruits of the spirit that we've been taught to prioritize And yet somehow, whether or not I attend church on Sunday morning, that's going to take precedent for you as to how Christian I am. Yeah, no, that was just not working for me. Um, That did not feel good. And it made me really angry. And again, this was just, I felt like the beginning of the unveiling for me where I just started to see these areas of disconnect in what I once said that I believed as a Christian versus what I see that I actually believed. And I was seeing that mirrored back to me through the people around me. And it was also during this time that I was coming into this awareness that, you know, my sense of structure as an evangelical Christian was now totally gone, which like in some ways was absolutely terrifying. And yet in other ways, it was also really, really exciting. It was terrifying because, you know, when you leave the church, you don't just leave the building. You don't just leave your Sunday morning routine. You leave the community. You leave the sense of belonging. You leave the sense of structure. Like there's so much more than just Sunday morning that you leave when you leave the church. It was terrifying because when I left, I no longer had these clearly laid out, you know, definers as to like what is good theology and what is bad theology. And, you know, we see that within denominations. That's why we have denominations. I didn't have anybody kind of like guiding me as to like which side to lean on. 
And like having been indoctrinated as to how sinful and dirty and prone to error I am, like that was also, you know, kind of scary. You know, part of me was like, who am I to think that I can ask these questions and think that I can land on any kind of answer, you know, because I had been taught for so long and on such a deep level to not trust myself that the moment I stepped away from the church, I had no choice but to trust myself. I didn't really have anyone else that I wanted to count on, that I felt like I could count on in the way that I needed to. What I really needed was to trust myself, and yet I had no idea how to do that. And yet through all that, it was also really exciting because, you know, as I shared in last podcast episode, while I grew up in a religious home, like I didn't dedicate my life to Christianity, to Jesus, whatever the lingo is you want to use. Like I didn't have that moment until I was 19. And so I remember what it was like to have that relationship with myself where I trusted myself and where I felt confident with my decisions and confident in my own direction. And it was exciting because I was like, maybe I'll get back to that place, you know? It kind of just felt like, you know, for the first time in a really long time, I was allowing myself to separate the indoctrination of what I had been told as to what I should want, what it is I should need, who it is I should be, versus who I actually am. What is it that I actually want, think, need, believe, have an opinion about? Like, I was separating those two and seeing the differences, and that felt really liberating and exciting for me. And, you know, I think this is where there was a part of deconstruction that felt really, really safe to me because, you know, I felt like, okay, if God is truly truth, like capital T truth, then there was no truth that I would find where God is not at. There was nowhere or nothing I would find or come to the conclusion of that was to be proven to be true where God is not at. And, As much as I, you know, understood the fact that as a human, I am susceptible to human error and wrong interpretation, as we all are, I also knew that I trusted God's ability to keep me in God's will far more than I did trust my ability to to run out of it. I believed that, you know, if it was truly God's will for me to stay in evangelical Christianity, that in my process of asking these questions and being prayerful and worshipful and all the, you know, Christian checkboxes that we use to make sure that we're like doing things the quote unquote right way, I was like, I'm going to be okay. And in this way, deconstruction was not a diminishing of faith. And if anything, it was an act of it. It was an active expansion of my faith to allow myself to see God outside of the church building on Sunday mornings and to be willing to ask these questions that I was I feel like shamed at certain points of like, you shouldn't ask that, but to like allow myself to ask those questions and to seek out varying perspectives and to actually have the faith to believe that in my discovery, like I'm not going to be left alone. Like I'm not going to be, you know, cut off from God at any point. Like that was an expansion of my faith. My perspective of who God was no longer fit within the confines that I was told that God fit within. And I think that was hard for a lot of other people to wrap their mind around because it's like, 
in some ways we have this very, you know, infinite, unlimited definition of who God is. And yet in our theology, we pretty much nail down like what God is. Like we've nailed down a lot of things about God that I don't personally believe that God is truly limited to. But I think we do that because, you know, we want to condense God into our own understanding because it makes us feel better about life and makes us feel like we have a sense of control on the world and that we know everything about what's going to happen, you know? And I think that gives us a sense of safety and security. But yeah, I would say that my my perspective of who God is only expanded and especially at that point it definitely did not diminish. My name is Bree and I have been deconstructing for the last five years now. My process started while I was interning for my previous church. At the time, I was very dedicated to their mission and I was actually hoping to become a pastor on staff there. And I peeked behind the curtain and I honestly didn't really love what I saw. I tried pushing down all of my questions and concerns for a couple of years, but they just kept coming up and my views slowly started to change and eventually, I decided to step away from the church for a short period of time, but during that time I ended up losing the majority of my community, which ended up just solidifying the fact that the church was no longer a safe place for me. But since leaving the church, I have found so much more freedom than I ever did inside of it. I have a bigger capacity for showing love and grace and compassion to those that are around me and to myself. I now identify as borderline Christian agnostic, just depends on how I wake up that day, and I am very thankful for this process, and I wouldn't change any of it. So fast forward just about a year or so into my deconstructing process while being out of the church. And, you know, I wasn't really talking to people in my life about where I was at or what I was working through because, you know, I knew that because my community was so saturated within evangelical Christianity, I knew that in their quote unquote love for me that they had a very strong bias as to where they wanted me to be or end up. And this discovery of faith or the deconstructing of it was really something that I knew that I needed to go through for myself. And I remember that this was a really lonely time in my life. And I remember feeling as though I was like living this double life. Like that's the best way I can put it. And I don't even mean that in a way to say that I was like out all the time, that I was like partying, you know, I feel like that's such a stupid misconception that's oftentimes painted within the church that like, oh, like, you know, the people that all of a sudden leave the church, you know, they just want to go out and party and all that stuff. If you know me, you know that my lifestyle has had barely any changes. Like, you know, even if you are a close friend, you know that I say no to plans half the time because I am introverted and I very much value my alone time. And so that is always a priority for me. However, when I say that I felt like I was leading a double life, it's more so to say that I could not escape this feeling of like, even the people in my life who I was in active communication with, who, you know, 
knew about some of my day-to-day. I knew about some of their day-to-day. I could not escape this like deep gut feeling where it was like, if this person only knew that I didn't hold most of what they believed to be true, they would think of me totally differently right now. They would not trust me with what it is they're going through right now. They would see me in a totally different light. And I couldn't escape that. And so there was, I think a part of me didn't talk to people in my life about what I was going through because I didn't want to lose that sense of intimacy. And it's sad looking back because I see now that it wasn't really intimacy because I wasn't feeling like I could be my full authentic self and honest and still be embraced and accepted by them. Like it was just the illusion of intimacy. Like I was holding on to an illusion of intimacy with the people in my life. And that made me feel so disconnected. And I think at a certain point, it started to feel more difficult to minimize myself, to censor myself beyond what I felt was okay. It felt harder to do that and to hold on to this illusion of intimacy than it was to think about what it would be like if some of these people just totally left my life. And that was honestly what I just had to wrestle through. I had to wrestle through, you know, which one do I value more? Do I value more this illusion of intimacy or do I value allowing myself to step into full expression of who I am? Which one is going to cost more and which one is more worth the cost? Which one is actually going to matter in five to ten years? And when I really started to ask these questions and to try to get to the root fear, I realized that for me, I think that the fear was just, I was so scared of being dehumanized because when I was in evangelical Christianity, I remember how I would talk about people that left the church. I remember the conversations I would hold with people in my life about those who left the church or who were backsliding. I remember those conversations and I remember now being out of it, how dehumanizing it was. And I think I was just scared of people in my life who I love, who I respect to see me in that way. It didn't really feel like there were many people who I could talk to without feeling like what I was going to tell them was immediately going to be filtered through some form of an evangelical lens. An evangelical lens that has taught them to see backsliders as people that were weak in the faith, who lacked full understanding. I could go on. All of which could not have been further from the truth for me. My faith was truly such a deeply personal, foundational, and all-encompassing part of my life and the way I formed my identity and my purpose and the way I thought about things and the world and just my whole perspective, you know? It wasn't just something that was convenient. And nothing about deconstruction, which is still a fairly new term, I didn't even know that that's really what I was going through in the beginning part of it, but Nothing about deconstruction for me was planned or pursued out of a desire to leave evangelicalism or even the church. And yet I had such a deep awareness that, you know, the way that we talk about deconstruction in the church and the way people actually experience it, like myself, those are two totally different things. And, you know, it's so interesting because I feel like there are two experiences that a lot of people have while in the church. There's the one experience where it's like questions are pretty forwardly just like dismissed, right? 
And then you also have this second experience where it's like you're being told, like, ask the questions. Your questions are so good. And it feels like so progressive that like a Christian is telling you to ask questions. Right. And you feel so validated. But the moment that your question asking leads you to a place that is outside of the confines of what they say is okay, that is when your questions are not okay. They're not okay anymore. And all of a sudden you feel dehumanized because you landed somewhere different than you were once told, even though you were encouraged to ask questions all along. And like, you know, I can look back and have understanding as to like, yeah, why it is you know, very much shame to ask questions that lead you outside of this very Christian context. Because it's like, if we really do believe that in doing so, if you land somewhere different, that you are going to end up in hell, like that is a terrifying thought. That is a terrifying belief to hold. And so as sad as it is, like the fact that we are taught within the church that sometimes the most loving thing we can do is to save people from like this eternal fiery conscious torment and like to save people from the fact that they are doomed to this place if they do not end up in this one spot like it is so twisted and so messed up it's so not okay and also i understand it because i was in it and i think some of you guys were in it and yeah it's just so crazy looking back And yet through all of that, I decided that it was becoming far more painful for me to diminish myself for the sake of somebody else's acceptance than it was to risk the fear of losing them. So I decided to get honest. And this is where I became really confronted with the fact that my deconstruction journey was not going to only affect me. It was actually about to affect my entire sense of community. I think the hardest thing about my deconstruction journey is the fact that my husband, my partner in life, has not and isn't deconstructing like I have been. And so it has created a little bit of a challenge between us because we see things so differently in life and counseling has been a really helpful part of that for us but it has been a challenge for sure i think the most liberating thing about deconstruction is just the fact that i don't have to have it all figured out Um, And I don't feel this pressure to have an answer for everything. I think that is the most freeing thing I've experienced so far in my deconstruction journey. And yeah. So in the fall of 2020, I decided that something needed to change. So I decided it was time to start opening up to some people in my life about where I was in regards to religion and spirituality, which at this point was very open-ended. I didn't know whether or not I was still a Christian. I guess I think at that point, it was just more so dependent upon what you defined as a Christian. I was so exhausted with feeling like I was constantly wearing this mask and that people in my life didn't really know fully who I was. Like, I just felt like I was holding in this like huge secret. 
And I think I felt that way because, you know, when you are in a religious space as deeply as I was, your entire community is like-minded believers. Your entire community, your friends, the people that you go to that you confide in, these are all people whose relationships are built out of a mutual understanding of the gospel, a mutual love for the gospel, out of a mutual purpose and mission, right? Like you guys are connected on something that goes so much farther beyond just you. You have a shared identity, you have a shared mission, you have a shared purpose, you have a shared vision, you have a shared ethics. I mean, like, the commonalities are so deep and so personal. And so for me to be in this place where I was questioning a lot of what I had come to know and understand, that felt like I was lying to the people in my life. It felt like the relationships or the friendships that I held required me to be something I wasn't in order for them to exist. And I feel like something really important to say here is that you do not owe one person any explanation as to where you are at religiously or spiritually. You do not have to communicate to people in your life where you are at if you do not want to. I, like I had mentioned already before, like I had spent a year being very private to the people in my life about where I was at because I genuinely did not feel ready to share that part of my life. The reason why I eventually got to a place where I felt like I needed to share that was because it felt more uncomfortable for me to silence myself and not be fully expressed than it did to lose relationships. Uh, the, the thought of losing relationships was less scary to me than it was to live a life where I was not allowing myself to be fully expressed. And yet only you can know the timing as to when that is right for you. I think while it's very common that we see people praised by, you know, being vulnerable, even like online, for example, which I love in many ways, I think it's important to say that it is okay to require some equity before you are vulnerable with somebody. Being vulnerable does not mean sharing your deepest hurts and pains and struggles with people who have not earned the right to see that part of you. All of that to say though, I was just at a point in my journey where I felt like I needed to get this stuff off my chest. I needed to share where I was at. And so this was a very slow process for me and I did this very cautiously. And um, I'm not going to go into details as to how those conversations played out, but I will say that they did not go how I had wished. They did not go how I had hoped for. And these conversations ended up being really hurtful for me. And I, um, they were hard. I don't know how else to say it. They were just really difficult conversations. And I'm sure some of you guys can resonate with having some of those conversations. Um, and I remember reading this verse in the book of John where it says that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not recognize him. 
And I remember reading that and resonating with it on such a profoundly deep level because in this instance, I felt like I found myself coming to people that were of my own tribe, of my own community, and yet it was like the moment that I unveiled any sort of, you know, uncertainty or doubts, it was like all of a sudden I was no longer one of them. And, you know, that made me feel really isolated and confused because I felt like it very much contradicted so many things that I was taught as far as how God operates and how the love of God is shown. And yeah, and you know, it wasn't necessarily like I expected these people to just like understand or like, you know, I don't know, take it super, super well. Like people obviously are imperfect. I feel like I said this last episode, but it's like I always had a strong awareness of that and I didn't, you know, expect anything else. I think that for me, though, the disconnect was more so in the fact that I'm like, okay, but if you say that you claim to worship a God of unconditional love, and if you really do believe that, you know, God is bigger than any amount of uncertainty that I could have, then like, why are you so scared? Why are you so threatened by where I'm at? And it was interesting because, again, going back to like deconstruction, feeling like such a safe process for me, these people were more terrified, I think, than I was. I think that I maybe had already processed some of the fear of hell and, you know, all these type of things before. But it was like these people were almost like projecting the fear that they have onto me. And while I don't agree with the ways in which that is oftentimes played out, I can understand where it's coming from because I was in it too. I understand what it feels like to want to save the people around you, to want to guide people back to this worldview that you hold. I I understand it. I really, really do. And that doesn't make certain things okay, but it does free me up from anger and bitterness because I can at least hold empathy while also still saying it's not okay. I can do both hands. Because don't get me wrong, I could go on and on about certain things within the church and Christianity that I very much struggle with and do not agree with and have an issue with. I think, though, however, the times in my life where I am presented with an opportunity to hold active and intentional space full of empathy and compassion for somebody that is operating out of beliefs that I once had, even if I don't agree with them anymore, even if I don't align with them anymore, that is an opportunity where I get to heal myself again. Because I was that girl five years ago, four years ago, And every single time I choose to extend love and compassion and empathy for them, I also give that back to myself, to the version of which I today, in many ways, um, deeply struggle with. And super important to say, sometimes that means loving people and holding empathy for them from a distance, right? Sometimes that means loving them in silence. Sometimes that means loving them in boundaries, right? loving them in your pursuit of justice, right? Like there's so many ways in which this can take on. And also important, you know, there is a time where like you, it is not your responsibility to love them at all. And I just want to say that because I don't want what I'm saying to be taken out of context. 
but the point stays the same, which is that the way that I choose to love the people who very much reflect back to me the version of who I was years ago, that is a direct reflection as to the ways in which I choose to actively love myself. But I will say that is not an easy thing to do. And it took me a while to get there because, you know, those conversations, those are not easy. And, you know, in my scenario, those conversations continue to come up in times when I was not expecting. And I think at a certain point, I just started to feel more like a project than a human. You know, like I felt belittled because I would have people in my life share with me the story of the gospel because they thought I just didn't have an understanding of it. And that leaves me feeling really frustrated because it's like, especially if you knew me at that point in my life where I was in ministry, I was my my entire life was dedicated to this cause, to this thing, right? If you knew me at that point in my life, you should know more than anybody else how fully embodied this thing was for me, how it was not just like a try on Sunday thing. This was an every single moment type thing for me. So for you to know that and then to see me out of it and to oversimplify it in such a way where you can just say, oh, she just didn't understand it. I mean, I think I can speak for probably almost all of us who have deconstructed that like that just feels like the most oversimplified belittling comment. And yet we get it all of the time. And you know, with that, I think it feels really dismissing too, because it's like, If you are somebody who was really deeply within your religious community, really deeply within evangelicalism, again, deconstruction can exist on a spectrum. So like it can be easier for certain people to leave than others. But especially if you are somebody who was really deeply intertwined with the religious space that you took part in, to be told that you simply left because you just didn't understand it or because you were just hurt by one person or because XYZ, whatever the oversimplified reason is that they want to give, to be told that you just left because of XYZ reason, it feels so dismissing of the amount of work that it has taken for us to get to where we are today. Because I do not think people realize the amount in which deconstruction will cost you when you are deeply within a religious space. And in all of that, I can honestly say that navigating friendships and relationships since deconstructing, that has truthfully been the most difficult part since deconstructing. I think that I naturally bend towards people pleasing. Um, I think I bent that way growing up. I think that is what I brought into my adulthood and was just extremely reaffirmed in that within evangelicalism. And so I think that understanding that like I can't please everybody is like that has truthfully been the biggest learning lesson for me. I have had to learn to be okay with disappointing people, even people that I really, really love and care about and you know, I don't want them to be disappointed in me. And I think the only way that I have learned to be okay with disappointing people is just by letting myself be honest, letting the disappointment come and letting them deal with it however they're going to deal with it and to not take that on as something that is my responsibility to hold. I think that I have found myself 
continuously needing to remind myself of the things that are within my control and the things that are not within my control. Having to remind myself that other people's reactions or struggles or disappointments, like that is truthfully none of my responsibility. And all I can do is really live a life that is in alignment with my values and the ways that I want to show up in this world. And as long as I am doing that, like there's nothing else I can do. I think one of the things that has been really big for me in the last year is really understanding the ways that the indoctrination that I once clung to, the way that that has impacted my relationship to my body, my mental health, the way I process things, and, you know, understanding how to regulate my nervous system, finding practices that really feel good to my body, understanding the relationship between our minds and our bodies and the ways that they're interconnected and the way that, you know, the indoctrination and the experiences that we have on a mental level, how those very much do live within our bodies. That has been really validating for me um, since deconstructing and since, you know, just really changing my life, you know, from walking out of unhealthy relationships and all the things. I know that, um, you know, the book, The Body Keeps Score, it's such a popular book, but I cannot recommend it enough. Um, But that's been like a really helpful resource. But I think finding things that feel good to you again and like allowing yourself space to explore without the necessity that you need to be boxed into any one thing today where I am at in regards to religion and spirituality, you know, I have no label that I think fits me. I think that if I had to put a label to it, I would say I probably am more like agnostic with like a Christian influence. And I say Christian influence because I very much resonate with a lot of things that, um, well, I won't say a lot of things. I do very much resonate with some really core messages within, um, what i come to learn um, through scripture, and yet maybe not in the way that they were taught. Um, But I still hold like the language and the the metaphors and the, the stories to be really beautiful and applicable. And yeah, so it's kind of like where I'm at. I'm also open to that changing. You know, I said this in last episode, but like one of the things I love about where I'm at is that I have never been so okay to change my mind. Like I've never been so okay. And and I mean, at this point, like I don't necessarily think that I ever really see myself kind of being boxed back into any type of religious or like, you know, one box of thought just because of my experience having been so deep within it. You know, Glennon Doyle says this in her book Untamed, but it's like anything can be a cage if you let it. And I really don't want to be caged into any one thing. However, I'm okay with the fact that I could be totally wrong. I am wrong on certain things that I believe right now, as we all are. I'm okay with that. I'm okay to change my mind. And I really love engaging and dialogue with people that have a mutual desire to just like grow and expand and to challenge each other. And yeah, I love that about myself. I'm really thankful that I've grown in that capacity. And, you know, I feel like there are definitely so many days where I really miss the church. 
I think more so than anything, I miss corporate worship. Um, granted, I did work within a worship ministry context, so that makes sense. But yeah, I just, I really loved worship. And um, I will say, I still have a deconstruction worship playlist that I made for myself on Spotify, mainly just of songs that I can say for me, I resonate with enough to be able to sing them and not be like triggered um which I know not everybody is like that I know some people that's like terrifying for them but you know I still have days where like I will allow myself to just like fall on my knees and like worship in a very embodied way because that's like the charismatic in me trying to come out you know what I mean like that's the thing I loved about charismatic Christians is like it was a fully like expressive thing and I really loved that and I think I've carried that to some extent you know even outside of deconstruction um and yeah so that's kind of how I've chosen to do it I created a deconstruction worship playlist on my phone when I'm feeling charismatic I pull it up you know and it just makes me feel connected to myself and to you know God and the universe or whatever it is that you want to call it and I really love that I think that some people like cannot even think about bringing back any form of practice that they once held because it is too triggering for them um so that wouldn't necessarily work for everybody but it works for me um since this point of my life where I was first, you know, trying to talk to people about where I'm at, I've actually had a few people, um, a few friends in my life who have also since gone through a similar journey. And so, um, while I'm not glad that they had to go through that, um, I have found that there are more people who can relate with me, um, than there were before. And so in that sense, I'm really grateful to be able to connect with these people on such a deep level and even just to connect with you guys, like whether it was through my old Instagram account or the times that I've talked about it here, like I am truthfully so grateful that, um, that I get to connect with you guys in this way because I know that this is a deep and personal topic and the fact that you guys would trust me with your time and your energy and just all of it. I just am so, so grateful. I really, really love this. I love talking to you guys about this. I hope that this episode was affirming to you, no matter where you're at. I hope that if you are somebody who is walking through religious deconstruction right now, I hope that, you know, you feel validated in that. I know it's really, really hard. And I can promise you that, like, well, I can't say it's ever going to be super easy. I can tell you it does get better. And you got this. You got this. And I just want to remind you, again, it's like self-expression should not have to cost you that much. And you deserve to be seen and embraced for all parts of who you are, not just some of it. So that is the conclusion of today's episode. I really enjoyed today's episode. As always, you know, social links will be in the show notes. If you have not already, you should definitely go follow me because I will usually post about what the next episode is going to be so that you guys can have a say in it. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please go ahead and leave a review. And without further ado, I will catch you in the next episode of the Real Talk Tuesday podcast.